Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You are on the sidelines with the Sideline Guys for a very special edition of the Sideline Guys MMA show. I'm once again have the pleasure, have the honor to be joined by the great, the 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 secondary Negron, but powerful nonetheless, my guy, Sean Negron. How's it going, man? It's great to have you back on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Glad to be back. It's been a fun couple of weeks, uh, say the least, but uh, I'm really excited to get into it and talk some flyaways and uh, the women's divisions. Heck yeah, man. I mean, fun couple of weeks underscores it. I could have rolled my eyes there to emphasize just how crazy it's been for both of us, uh, but it's good to be back nonetheless. And like you said, we got a lot to cover in this week, so we'll get right into it. Uh, but before, I think it's important to mention this because I know you're probably going to hate me for this, but this shit happens and I'm going to fucking acknowledge it on the show. So please, all of you guys for that show us your love and support, show some special love and support to our guy, Sean Negron, this week as he just recently graduated. Show him some love. Let let the man feel uh, what we got going on over here at TSG. So congratulations again on your graduation and I'll stop embarrassing you. <laughs> With that being said, um, let's go right in, right into the flyweight division. So last week, we finished up a big discussion with featherweight and bantamweight, literally covering the two deepest divisions, I would say, in, in the UFC. So it's only fitting that, that they got their own episode. Uh, the, this episode, I've been really looking forward to because the women's divisions are going to be covered all at once. And I think there's a lot more excitement than is given credit for in those divisions. So but with all that being said, we're starting at flyweight, the smallest men's division, the division that I think gets the least amount of respect from fans and everyone, really. Um, I'm so glad this division stuck around. And I think, honestly, this is probably, as far as action goes, uh, the best division. Like, honestly, flyweight fights deliver every single fucking time. And before we get into the sort of landscape of the division, there's been a real big fight that just happened this past week. So I think it's right that we cover it between Kai Kara France and Amir Albazi. Of course, I said their names that way for a reason, because even though Amir Albazi won, uh, there's a big controversy here as far as um, who the fans feel won, as well as um, obviously Amir Albazi got the nod with the decision. So we can get into a long-winded discussion about judging and stuff. Uh, certainly, um, it's deserved for this discussion. But I think it's important that we just start by sort of stating our uh, our place in the argument, right? So before anything, when the fight finished, who did you think won? And uh, what round stood out to you, if any? See, this was tough because I, I, I really did believe at the end of it all, that Kai had done enough. And I really didn't think that they were going to go against him either. I, I felt that it was pretty substantial. And I would say round four, I believe it was, if I remember correctly. I believe it was round four for me that really made me think, like, okay, like, Kai's starting to turn it on. I think Kai's got it in the bag. And I think he did enough in round four and five. And you could say rounds, uh, I think it was rounds two or three that were extremely close. And, like, you could have gone either way with. So, when anytime that happens, when a fight's really close like that and you go either way, I always go against what I think just in case. You know, so, like, when we get to the end of it all, I say to myself, okay, just in case I'm wrong, you know, so-and-so, I think, one, three, two, or, you know, what a 48, 47. 
So I, at the end of it all, I really still felt that Kai Car France had done enough to win 48-47 at the very least. And to see that it didn't go that way, I feel like we have this discussion almost every single time we have an episode together where it's like the judges just become more and more controversial, let's say. And uh, this is another one of those times. And, and it really hurts because someone like Kai, you know, he was trying to build himself back into top three, top two, try to get a title shot again. And, you know, losing to Brandon Moreno in his last fight, and a good fight, and then the liver kick, and then now losing to Amir, it's, that's tough. It's tough to lose two in a row. You, know, you drop down to four or five, and now you got to build your way back up with three, two of the three guys ahead of you who have beaten you. And obviously, one's not going to be in the flyaway much longer. But you know, it's it's tough. It's tough to build yourself back up to get a t- get a fight against those guys again. So it's a tough one. It's a tough blow. But you know, I believe Kai will bounce back. Probably fight at least one more time this year. Great shouts. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think something that's been lost in the discussion this week is I think it's very easy to sort of point the finger at the judges and be like, you guys are so bad at your job, right? Um, but I think everyone that watched this agrees that this is a close fight, right? So we can't be crying robbery. But at the same time, I think the discussion really should lean more so towards not how the judges are wrong, but how the judges are handicapped, right? Like they're put in a position where, for example, round one and round two, those are very, very close swing rounds, in my opinion. I personally saw the first for, um, if I remember correctly, I saw the first uh, for Albazi and the second for uh, Kai. Either, of, in my opinion, either of those rounds could go to either guy. Um, but the problem I have with, the discussion right is when we look at rounds four and five very clear rounds for kai kyle france there's no argument there in my opinion there should be a way that judges can make a distinction right where those rounds were run by kai it's one to the tally right but those rounds gotta mean something more than round one and two do like i know that they're shying away from giving out 10 eights and the way we understand 10 eights if that if those were scored a 10 eight we'll be like what the hell like that'll be another like sort of discussion of how crazy that is right um but i think we should be real about the position that these refs are in as well and these judges are in because at the end of the day yeah they, they they're forced to score the fight and being there in person can change a lot of things but ultimately i think not being able to have a real differentiator between a close round and a blowout round and the way that impacts the totality of the fight. Um, I think they're just given an unfair hand, right? And at this point, um, no matter who's sitting in the seat, we could end up with a scenario where we're like, Hey man, that was a shitty decision. That was a robbery. But how can we really like be so upset when, we could argue back and forth on these different rounds in these different moments. And ultimately, regardless of how close or how far apart they may have been, they tally up the same way at the end each round anyway. So it doesn't matter how, how much more dominant Kai was in four and five with the way things are currently scored. But us as fight fans understand viscerally, right? That I, I think in general, four and five do mean something more than one, two, three. Do I think they should be weighed differently? No, because obviously that's the system we have. But if if judges had a way to 
sort of give points for more activity for a more dominant round um i think we won't end up in these scenarios nearly as often well i think what everyone you know looks at this controversy is i think the big one is round four and the fact that chris lee one of the judges gave it to amir because you know that's what the ultimate decision was that decision to give albazi round four is what gave Albazi the win. That one point, because that, that was the ultimate decider. And if you look at it, everyone's been going deep into, into this round. You know, Albazi went 7 for 31 in total strikes. Five of them are significant. And had 23 seconds of control time and went 0 for 2 in takedowns. While Kai, Kai Car France was 29 to 67 and was 1 of 1 of takedowns and had more control time. So... Where do you see Albazi winning that? Stats are a different story than what you see in front of you, but with the stats in front of you, it's hard to really look at it and go, where did you see in those seven significant strikes and 23 seconds of control with zero takedowns? How did he win that round? And that's the problem. And when you, you know, you have to judge it in that moment. It's not like, you know, you see your scorecards go, you know what? I think round four, he did win that. It, it, that's it. You have to decide within those 30 seconds, and it's tough. You know, it's, it's not an easy job. You know, anyone, not anyone can do it. So I, I feel bad for Kai in that situation because it's like, how could you have a cleaner round? Because round five was sort of similar. Kai was way better. You know, and, and Albazi had more ground control time in round five than Kai, but it was clear. Every judge gave it to Kai for round five, and he was just way more dominant, way more on the feet. You know, he's finally figuring him out. You saw Albazi tire a little bit. But, you know, the fact that Chris Lee gave Albazi round four that one point, you take one point to give one point, and it costs, costs a win. And that's tough. That's a tough one to, uh, to swallow for sure. For sure, man. That's a great point. I didn't even really look at the, the breakdown of things. You just hear the scores, right, and you assume. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Uh, the fact that... <laughs> What the hell, man? Anyone could score round four. I mean, thinking back, if I'm not mistaken, I think Albazi was like shaking his arms out and like kind of like taking the round off, if I remember correctly. So the fact that that's the controversial round in my head, whenever I heard um, how the, the the cards went, I assumed that round one was the real difference maker. Because in my head, I was like, well, Kai actually started to separate himself as far as the momentum in the fight in round two i scored rounds two four and five for kai obviously one in uh three for albazi three was the the round with um the most significant control time from albazi but you could argue even with the way the round ended that that could be kai's fight as well so i feel like at worst it's three is three two kai at best in some worlds it's four one so the fact that we're here talking about albazi winning this fight kind of sucks but I think all wrapped up in all this too is kind of um it's kind of lost how good both of these guys look. So I just wanted to 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 make that known as well. I mean, shout out to Kai. He deserved to get the win, but shout out to Albazi too, man. I think he really stepped up big time and really performed. And obviously, even though we don't agree, right? It doesn't matter what we think. Um, at the end of the day, that's gonna always go down on his record as a win. So um and, and I think he's got a lot to build and grow from this as well. Um, didn't really like his post-fight interview, especially considering the uh, co the controversy around the fight, right? You will want someone to be a little bit more acknowledging of that, right? But um, at the end of the day, I think this, I hope, would spark some greater conversation, right, between 
the people in, in actually making difference when it comes to this uh, stuff in the athletic commissions to really consider why those things are equivalent. Because at the end of the day, if you, if you really think about it, no matter who you had winning round one and round five, those are those are two very different rounds as far as how the fight is going and where it's headed, right? So I, I think if that was a 10-rounder, um, I think there's no doubt that Kai ends up getting a finish at some point along the way. So, um, And I think that might taint the way we look at things, especially someone like me, right? I'm a Japanese MMA guy. So I, I'm just like, score the fight for who the fuck won it. And at the end of the day, we all know that that's Kai. Uh, but given the circumstances, I doubt there's any chance we get rid of the 10-point the must system. If it's going to be that way, at least allow these judges, even if it's half points, right? We'll go 10-8 we'll go and a half, right? Like, even if it's half points, there should be a way to distinguish between what was a very clear round and what was a, a sort of very close swing round. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think it's difficult <laughs> to say. You know, and I, I didn't see the, the, the post-fight interview, so, you know, I don't know how things went down, but I just hope that, honestly, that this fight ends up happening again two or three years down the line because the way the controversy sets out, and now that Albazi is ranked three, you have Kai back down at five, it's it's pretty, pretty clear, at, you know, after the Brandon Moreno fight that they may see each other again, so... You know, it, it was it was a great fight, a little controversial, obviously, with the win. But overall, uh, it was a great fight. And I was glad that Albazi held his own. I love it. I love it. But besides all the controversy, let's talk about how fucking fun this division is. I just got to say, even that fight, right? Like, even that fight. There's so much that happens in these flyweight fights where if you compare it, like, a lot of the times they'll put heavyweight fights as, like, the pay-per-view opener right so the first fight on that five fight five fight main card and that will it'll be preceded by either a 135 or 125 banger right to to finish the prelim card and you get to that heavyweight fight and it's like you're not even watching the same thing like the, the it, it's not the same competition at, the, at those different weight class and obviously you still love it it's still mma right but there's just so much more to offer at flyweight and so much more that goes on um, I, I remember I was even, I think I was texting you. Uh, yeah, I think I was texting you about this, but I was like, um, Abazi kind of doesn't fight like a flyweight. So it kind of is harder to watch and enjoy what he does, uh, considering that he fights such against the type for the division. Uh, but this division is just, uh, scrambles all action and, and danger, right? Like when, when people start getting hurt, um, the, the finish isn't far behind it, right? It usually comes very quickly. And the exchanges that are, that are had, either in the grappling, in transitions, there's just so much more to offer at flyweight, in my opinion, than there is at the higher weight classes. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's a different prestige with heavyweight versus flyweight. There's a different level of respect and admiration for someone that you can look at and understand how they could kick your ass, right? Versus someone like <laughs> DJ or someone like uh, Brandon Moreno, uh, you might be like, eh, I don't know, maybe I could take them. And in, in pure delusion, just get absolutely wrecked. Trust me, guys, uh, d do not make that mistake because you were absolutely incorrect. Um, but I think there is a little bit of respect given to the bigger guys versus um, the, the flyweights. When I think in reality, honestly, what they're doing 
is much harder, in my opinion, than what they're doing at those weight classes in, in, in the higher divisions. I love the flyweight division just because of, you know, not just a couple of years ago, we were talking about the conversation after Demetrius Johnson left, the legend of how much longer is this division going to really be standing for? And it seemed like they were trying to close this division. And to see how quickly it went from this division is about to get closed down to what it's become now. And it's one of the most exciting divisions in the entire sport. I, I especially now for me, you know, I'm I'm Mexican, so so to have some a Mexican at the top, in Brandon Moreno, it's extremely exciting. It's one of, it probably is for me the most uh, into it I am for a fight. Like I I feel like I'm like connected to Brandon because because you feel that Mexican blood. You know, you just every time he fights, I I feel like I'm a, like one of his biggest fans. And I don't get like that for. For fighters like i'm a fan and then you know if, if someone i like loses it's like yeah it sucks but you know what it is what it is but for brandon like everything that happened with davison figueredo and all that situation that whole quadrilogy i don't even know what the word is but <laughs> that was an incredible four fights and you know i i don't know if we'll ever see that again and the fact that the ufc did it just shows how exciting this division is how big that rivalry was for this division and the sport and i love stuff like that because a second ago you know, you had someone like Dana White and others writing it off. And then now here we are talking about it as one of the top three, top four divisions in the entire sport in the whole world. Hell yeah, man. I agree. I was outraged. Like, I was genuinely upset when DJ got traded because, A, if you can't rec recognize that man's talent, you're insane. I still have him up there in my top three as Absolutely. far as greatest martial artists ever, uh, let alone greatest fighters. Um, the dude is a legend. Like, and... The fact that the conversation around the weight class was, oh, we need to get rid of this because they're boring. And it's like, well, no, like, I think it just speaks to your inability to promote them properly. Because at the end of the day, if you look at the, the divisions right now, like, even across boxing, like, the majority of stars are in the lower divisions. It's not in the higher divisions at the moment. So um, I thought it was just lazy, and I'm glad to see them sort of reinvesting now there's a lot of new up-and-comers as well as bigger like regional champions being signed straight into the ufc versus doing the the sort of dana white contender series thing which i think is so dumb uh but once again it makes sense for business right if it makes dollars it makes sense so i can't complain too much in that way um but as far as flyweight goes and sort of the outlook of the division obviously we have a huge title fight coming up on the horizon between brandon moreno and alexandre pantoja this being the trilogy, right? So, so we got a break from the quadrilogy, and now we get a trilogy. Um, obviously, Alexandre Pantoja has two wins over Brandon Moreno, one of which in the actual UFC, the other one in the Tough House. So one of them isn't on their record, right? But it happened. I, I saw it. I watched that season. I remember. Uh, so uh, it's so crazy to just think how far Brandon Moreno has come from then, right? Got eliminated in the first fight in the house. And now where he's at now and what he's been able to accomplish is super cool to see. Um, I love this grudge match uh, for many reasons, but obviously the story just writes itself, right? Trying to get that redemption after you lost to this guy twice. This guy has been your kryptonite. And then the B part about it is the dude is just a monster, right? Like shout out to, to Pantoja. I love his fight, fighting style. He's, he's a real get in your face and put the pressure on you kind of fighter. 
and has sneaky power in that division, uh, which is definitely hard to come by. Most importantly, the dude comes out to many men. If you come out to many men as your as your walkout song, uh, you got a piece of my heart. That's all I got to say. But That's right. uh, this is going to be a dope fight, man. How do you feel about this matchup? I know where your allegiances lie, but as far as the threat, are, are you worried? Is this is this a source of anxiety for you? No. Ooh. Um, I don't. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight and one that will sort of start to swing around mid-round four. I see it, honestly, thinking about it right now for the first time. Like I've, I've thought about it, but I haven't thought about how it's going to go. <laughs> I see this fight going the distance, to be honest with you, but I think it's going to be an absolute brawl. This kind of makes me think of like, it's like a movie, right? You know, like how, what, how could you script it any better? You see each other for the first time at the house. You know, you lose, right? And then you, know, you build your way back into the UFC, you get there, and all of a sudden you see that foe again in just a regular fight, this time under the UFC label, you know, under, uh, I, what was it? I think it was it was uh, Damian Maya and Usman, I remember, that fight night. So, if I remember Whoa, that correctly. <laughs> you're, you're the GOAT. I'm going to go check on that because that's super impressive if you got that. But so, continue. <laughs> I believe that's what it was. And, you know, to lose again, you kind of say to yourself, like, I could beat this guy. I could beat this guy. And now, you know, to be two guys from the house, and now you're seeing each other in a title fight for the same division, I don't know if you could script it any better. And so the fact that now these guys are going to co-main UFC 290 on International Fight Week, this is one of the most storybooks, you know, things you could write. So yeah. I'm really excited for this fight. I, at first, I wasn't really, like, too into it. I didn't think the division and the rivalry could get deeper than Moreno versus Figueredo. So now that, you know, this is hitting the trilogy or whatever, it, it is a trilogy. I'm just, they fought, this is the third time they're fighting. So I'm really, really, really excited for this. And I, I have a feeling Brandon is motivated now to keep the belt and hold on to the belt. Now, you know, with all these Mexican champions coming into fruition, you know, and we'll get to it. There's Mexican champions are taking over. This is like their time right now. And, you know, we have another title fight coming just this, you know, this weekend. So mm -hmm. it's uh, we could see a fourth champion. So I'm really excited. And, you know, even though I'm a huge Brandon Moreno fan, I do believe he will get the job done. Dude, you're fucking spot on. The exact card on the prelims. How the fuck do you have that, that the, the memory to pull that out like that? That's insane. Uh, shout I out remember. to you. He does. <laughs> he, he he remembers these things. Shout out to shout out to Carter, of course. That is fucking <laughs> crazy. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely blown away by that because I, I, I have some pretty good recall myself. But damn, there was no way I was getting that card. So shout out to you. Um, I agree, man. I, I think I lean towards Moreno in this one, too. Although everything else sort of speaks in the opposite direction. I wonder what kind of line you could get on this fight, because I'm pretty sure uh, it's it's a little closer to even than you would imagine. Right. So um, I just What's feel like bet? tell the world because you're good at betting. I'm the worst. I'm you know me. I'm over forever. So mm. what what is your bet? What's your betting line? Let me see what you got. Let's see. So what what do I think it is lined at? I'm gonna say Brandon Moreno minus one twenty five. Okay, okay. You see this going to the decision or? Oh, as far as like lining the fight, right? As, oh, okay. As far as what saying. I'm thinking, as far as what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, I would say 
I think I think Brandon Moreno within four and a half rounds. I think this is going to be a finish. And the reason why I think so, I just think given the pace that these guys fought at in both of their last fights, I don't see it going any other way. And I just feel like at this point, Moreno has gotten so much better, not just defensively being aware, but also um, just being super dangerous, hunting the body. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest difference in this one. If he can keep a constant body attack on Pantoja and really wear him out towards the later rounds, I won't be surprised if we also see Brandon Moreno in some big trouble round one. Like I feel like Pantoja is a force to be reckoned with in round one. He's gotten a lot of round one finishes. So I think that's the real sweat round. Uh, but I would go Brandon Moreno under four and a half rounds. I think so too. Um, I really started to believe in Brandon Moreno's body work, especially when it came to the Kai Car France fight. I know that's super recency bias right there, but the way he was attacking the body almost the the whole fight, and I remember going into that fight, and I I was thinking that Kai had the you know the fire in him, like the people were rallying behind him, you know, trying to move away from this trilogy, and the fact that Brandon Moreno took that fight, you know, he didn't want to wait, he didn't want to fight Davison four times, he wanted to get in. You know, another fight in there to be an interim champ. So, I the way that he got that, I think it was the liver kick that knocked him uh, out for for you know Brand Marino Kaikar France. But ever since that moment, I was like, okay, it's not that you know he's great on the body, but he can knock people out, shots mm-hmm. to the body. And now you know you're seeing it on full display in front of the whole world. So, I really do believe Brand Marino wins the fight. I just don't know. I you know I I I really do feel Pantoja Pantoja's got. You know, this dog in him, and I think he's going to be going crazy those first two rounds. Those first 10 minutes are going to be brutal, and I believe Moreno's going to get in trouble, like you say. I just, you know, the fact that Moreno's now going into his fifth or sixth fight now in five rounds, you know, this is uh, as as deep as it gets for for him in deep waters, and you know, I don't know how many times Pantosha has been in five-round fights, but, you know, I, I think that could play a difference factor as well. For sure, man. I love it. But now it's my favorite point of the of the division breakdown, right? The part we had to identify some talent, some young up-and-comers that we're really excited to see break into that top level, that upper echelon. Obviously, there's some guys in the top 15 that we can point to, uh, but for this exercise, we like to keep it outside of the top 15. Uh, so I'm going to go first on this one, and then I'm going to throw to you. Um, I got two guys, two guys outside the top 15 that I'm going to give some shine on. Uh, the first, a teammate of one Charles Oliveira, who's going to be fighting this weekend, Alan Nascimento. This is a guy that uh, not a lot of people probably recognize, but someone that I've been a real fan of his skills. He's got an v- exceptional ground game, as well as some really good kickboxing, man. Those guys in that team, regard- say what you want about putting together a coherent game, right? These guys are aggressive and assertive with their striking. And as a grappler, that's all you could really ask for, right? There used to be the big trope that if you were a grappler, you couldn't you couldn't do much with your with your hands, right? You couldn't do much in the striking phases. Um, I think everyone out of this camp has the same mold where they're they've got very solid BJJ skills, but ultimately every the entire engine keeps going by their pressure and their ability to not back down on the feet because it just creates so much more problems for the opponent. I'm a huge fan of Alan Nascimento. His last fight out, he lost to Tagir Olimbekov, who I think also um, is going to be a force to be reckoned with in this division, and that was a close fight. So 
that's who I've got as one of my dark horses. I'm going to throw to you because there aren't much options here. Uh, so I don't want to take any of your options away. And then I'll give my final option for a, a flyweight dark horse. I'm going with the White Kong and Jake Hadley. Ooh. I believe that this kid is real deal. and He's on his way. Uh, I believe once I think he fought I don't remember if it was February or March, but I believe that once he comes back, it's going to be full force. And I, I think in two years from now, he's going to be cracking the top five. And he is a force to be reckoned with. I, I think he can do it. Obviously, uh, he can knock you out. He can submit you, whatever you want. I, I Southpaws, to me, always make me second-guess myself <laughs> because Southpaws are tough. It's hard to see a southpaw coming it's it's timing's different and you're so used to the right hand and you know your adjustments standing at orthodox like you know i'm saying this as if i've like you know i'm, I'm a fighter but like it southpaws are tough they're not easy and so you know jake is is a pretty nasty southpaw and i'm i'm really excited to see what he's got forward to and looking forward to him and and uh you know the fact that he's basically my age i think he's like a, a month younger than me excited he's my guy i like that i like that a lot i'm a big fan of his as well uh super strong flyweight which is uh, honestly one of those things that don't really pop out on the screen for the flyweights he's one of those guys that you see in those positions of control those guys aren't moving like <laughs> he, he he has very good top control very good heavy top pressure i'm a big fan of what he's able to do but he's also one of those guys that kind of doesn't fight like, fight like a flyweight. So interested to see how he does in the upper half of this division. Fun fact: Jake Hadley is ten and one in the U in MMA. His lone Ooh. loss to Alan Nascimento. To oh. Alan Nascimento. But I, I agree though. I think his upside is still there, and I love that he has that built-in rivalry with Mohamed Mokayev. I think that's a storyline we're gonna end up seeing play out in the UFC sooner than later. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Obviously, Mohamed Volkayev is someone to point to, too, as another prospect, but we don't do that. We're, we're out of the top 15 with this one. We're keeping it hardcore, right? So my last my last pick here, someone that probably doesn't jump off the page, but someone that I'm a big fan of, initially had some trouble in the UFC, right? But bounced back and has looked really good since changing camps and training with Henry Cejudo. Bruno Silva, this is, this is a, a, a flyweight that is unheralded, but has been getting lots of finishes, racking up finishes here in the UFC, and I think could really go some places in this division. So looking forward to seeing where he ends up. Ooh, uh, I don't know. I might, I might call a little bit of cheating there because he's in the top fifteen. He's fifteen right now. Wow. You know he, you know I might call, but you know it's all good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I like I, that I had... though. You call me out of my shit. I'm here looking at <laughs> at, at at the world rankings. Maybe that's why I, go. I got that there issue. Go. Yeah, I got I got to look at the UFC top fifteen. That's but you know what? That's who I had as well. I had him, but then I saw he was top fifteen in the UFC rankings, and I was like, ah, I can't go with him. But I don't know. You know, I uh, I could say something like like Clayton Carpenter because I saw him in the the Dana White Contender Series last year. And I did like what he was doing. I know he's still undefeated, so it's so easy to just look at that. But uh, I think he won in his first, I guess, professional fight under the UFC uh, mm. label. So I'm excited to see what he's got forward to him. But he is as raw as it gets. You know, I'm, I wouldn't expect to see anything from Clayton for, I would say, another three years at the very most. You know, like I, he could crack the top 15 within a year or two, but I wouldn't, I want to see what it's like when he faces top. 
10 ranked guys in about two years from now. And then I'll, I'll really see if he is, you know, the next big thing. I want to see him face mm-hmm. the top guys, and then I'll, I'll say for sure. That's a great shout. I'll give my bonus, too, because I fucked up, right? It's outside the top 15. I thought this guy was in the top 15, and that's why I didn't list him. I'm actually surprised that he's not listed yet. Tatsuro Taira. Uh, one of the fighters who made it to the UFC through the road to the UFC um, sort of series that they do. The, the guy, once he gets his man strength, man, I don't think, I think this guy is a f- for sure top five. Like, and he's going to stay in the top five, uh, which is hard to come by at these lower weight classes. I'm a big fan of his game. Someone who is reckless almost when it comes to pursuing submission attempts. Uh, but it works for him, man. And he's able to, even if he gives up position, find his way back through insane scrambles and just that it's very hard to find in any weight class that's that mix of strength and power plus explosiveness and speed like he has all of that in the grappling phases and if his striking can match up uh to even honestly a quarter of how good his uh his ground skills are um i think he's definitely going to be champ in the division so that big praise for tatsuro tyra for sure I don't think he ultimately gets there, but top five is a great ceiling to be at nonetheless. Um, but we we went all through flyweight. We got a lot of good names out there, and I'm sure there's a lot more coming up as well, as this is probably one of the divisions that has the most talent outside the UFC that still needs to sort of make their way in. So I'm looking forward to seeing how things continue to play out. Uh, but it's only right that we move on to some of the in my opinion, some of the funnest divisions um, right now, as far as turnover and change, uh, the women's division. So I think we start same way we did with the men's going from descending order of weight class. Obviously, women's featherweight is a division, but it's not a division. So we don't have to touch much on it, especially because the champ is the same champ at 135. So shout out to Amanda Nunes. Obviously, this weekend is huge for this division. I kind of love that this is coming out right before this fight, right? Because it speaks to the state of the division, but also there could be some real big changes right here on the horizon. So uh, Amanda Nunes is going to be fighting Irena Aldana. This is after, unfortunately, Juliana Pena got injured and was forced to withdraw from their trilogy bout. Um, a lot of people were saying they didn't want to really see that fight. I disagree. I was looking forward to seeing the trilogy and really sort of seeing who puts their stamp on it, right? Um, but hopefully we get to see that one day down the line. Uh, but this is the fight we get instead. And I, I think the fact that um, everyone was kind of hoping this was the matchup before the, the Pena uh, fight got signed, that no one's really upset, right? But um, I just think it kind of sucks a little bit for Aldana, just because she didn't have the full wherewithal that she was going to be preparing for a championship level fight, uh, let alone um, within that sort of month notice. Right. But I think she's going to come prepared regardless. I think everyone in that Lobos gym uh, where Brandon Moreno originates from. Right. I think everyone in that Lobos gym is always training hard and looking out for each other. Right. I know there's a lot of really good women's fighters out of there. Alexa Grasso, Alejandra Lara, just to name some of the champions that came out of this division, uh, whether or not they fight in the UFC or not. So, I think there's just so so many interesting storylines with this fight. Obviously, you have the Mexican angle, too, since Irene Aldana has a chance to join three other Mexican champions in the UFC to, to become the fourth. Insane, right? The numbers. The numbers here are crazy. Um, and honestly, when we were looking at who could be Mexican champions, I feel like Alexa Grasso was the one looking 
from the from the outside looking in. So the fact that Aldana has this chance now kind of feels like even more of a momentum to ride coming into this one. I don't even know where to start. How do you feel about this matchup and uh, where these women's are in their career and how the matchup plays out? This is tough for me because as much as I want Aldana to win, I don't know. You know, it obviously that gym reach champions, so it could change at any time. Uh, I, I will say that I never thought Grasso would have beaten Shevchenko at the time. And I thought, it, you know, he, I mean, she had the boxing to do it. But I don't know if she could have finished it. And obviously, we've never seen Shevchenko lose. So it was tough. So now you have a very similar situation, just a couple weight classes up. And Aldana, yeah, I, I believe that, you know, she wasn't prepared to fight Nunez yet. And then you get sprung up so quickly to fight Nunez. And it's tough because, yeah, it's such a great opportunity. But at the same time, if you lose it, it's basically like, you know, it just holds you down for even longer. And Aldana has had issues against, I would say, the, the tougher top three fighters, right? Losing to Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington, uh, Caitlin Ch uh, Chikugian. It's... She, she's beaten basically everyone else but those three, so I'm hoping that for this situation she comes out completely different and she's you know prepared to you know, die for this, you know, like they say. So I, I, I do hope that she's ready for this moment because it's not going to get any bigger than this. But at the same time, Aldana's tough. She always pushes forward, always. And so if she could put the pressure early, you never know. And, you know, how much dog is left in there for Nunez? She's done it all. She's got a family. She's conquered. She's already the greatest of all time. You know, it's, there's not much to fight for. You, know, you have everything you've ever wanted. You've made millions of dollars. So who knows? You know, sometimes when you just have that dog in you and you, you, know, you come from nothing, it, it could beat anyone on any given night. So I'm hoping for that uh, in a month from now. So I mean, in a week from now, and uh, I'm excited for it. Heck yeah, man. I think this is a really interesting fight, right? I think offensively, um, both of these women could really put a hurting on each other. I feel like both of these ladies could end up in a situation where they rally to hurt each other and end up in a sort of really big war, um, which could change really the way we look at both of them as far as their upside and what they're able to accomplish. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this one plays out. Ultimately, I think... I go. It's it's hard, man. I go back and forth on this one. I feel like I could go either way. I think ultimately, as far as sort of narratives go, as far as the the sort of career trajectories of both these women, I like Aldana in the spot. And I know that's probably going to be a surprise to you and many others, but I think especially if she's able to defend takedowns and keep it on the feet, I think she has some surprising sneaky power and could really put some things together against Amanda Nunes. Now, this is an upside bet, right? This is one of those where I have a feeling that certain things are going to play out on the night, but based on what we've seen on tape, I don't really feel like I have a reason to make this pick, right? I don't really feel like there there should be a reason to pick against Amanda Nunes, considering how dominant she has been, um, as well as how um, 
almost the opposite of dominant, right? I guess pedestrian Aldana has looked in some of her wins too. I mean, even against Macy Chasson, obviously she ended up winning that fight with a nasty liver kick from the bottom, but felt like she was on her way to losing that one before that, uh, just based off pressure and, and in the grappling. So obviously that's a scary path to victory for Nunez, which I won't be surprised if she goes out and immediately tries to exploit. Um, I think this is a real dangerous fight, and I think it really comes down to where Amanda Nunez is in her career, how seriously she's taking this sort of challenge, and the approach, right? I think she needs to approach this from a very mixed martial arts standpoint. She can't approach this with the idea of, hey, I can bulldoze her the same way I bulldoze everyone else. You guys are talking about how she's a striker. I'm going to come in and strike with her. Uh, we saw what happened when she tried to do that against Jerain Durand me. Um, and it, it didn't turn out too well for Amanda. Obviously, she ended up winning that by decision, leaning heavily on her grappling. Um, I think if she gets forced into a position like that fight, where early on she's getting pieced up and she has to wrestle, I don't think it works as well against Irene Aldana as it did against JDR. Um, I mean, GDR. So... I'm picking Aldana here. It's going to take a Herculean effort. It's going to take something we haven't seen yet out of her. Uh, but I'm really liking the momentum for that gym and for Mexico specifically. So give me Aldana. I like it. I like it. I like it for, you know, me and my Mexican people. So <laughs> I believe, unfortunately, Amanda Nunez by submission in round two. That is like my it. hard prediction. I think Aldana is going to come in and, and – try to put Nunez away in first round. I think in the beginning it's going to be a little gingerly kind of feeling the waters, but then I, I think Irene could maybe connect, if that's a good word to put, on Nunez uh, probably middle of first round. I think she's got it. She might even get close to winning that first round, but I just feel Nunez is wrestling and grappling is just completely on another level uh, to to Aldana's uh, takedown defense or defense in general, and I, I, I see Amanda just suffocating, you know, literally, but, you know, I just being too much and uh, getting the job done and going down as the GOAT and maybe even retiring. So yeah. we'll see. For sure. There's a lot, a lot at stakes here in this fight, which makes it even more exciting. Big fan of the uh, of Amanda Nunes. I think it's no doubt, in my opinion, that she's the GOAT right now as far as women's MMA. So interested to see if she continues to cement that legacy as far as bantamweight think, as a division oh go ooh, ahead sorry. i was gonna ask you you think she you think she retires if she wins here um i don't think so i think i think she could have a couple fights ago um i think she's gonna fight pena again regardless of what yeah. happens again I, I think she's gonna fight pena one more time that's uh, what before I she hangs I, it up i think that's her last one mm -hmm. i think she wants to finish because i i think she there's like a serious dislike for Pena. She came out and said that, you know, when she retires, she wants to do everything she can to make sure that Pena will never get the belt. And I <laughs> felt like that was kind of like a, a cold statement, but the fact that you care so much about someone not having it mm -hmm. just shows that I think she's going to do this one. And then I would say one more by either the end of the year or early next year and call it a career and, and she'll go down as the greatest of all time and i don't think anyone would really touch her you know, mm -hmm. honestly 
Yeah, there's a whoever's second best. I would say maybe Valentina Shevchenko, uh, with two head-to-head losses against her. You got a, you got a big hill to climb for sure. Um, I think that's another fight that I hope gets done before Amanda Nunes retires. I would love to see the trilogy between those two. Um, but with all this being said about women's bantamweight, I'm just curious about how you feel about the division. I feel like as far as all the women's divisions right now, in my opinion, this is the least exciting for me. It, it, it very much so has a feel. And once again, please, ladies, don't don't feel disrespected, but it has a feel of almost like this is the men's metal middleweight division. Right. Like there's a lot of people in this division that have specialties um, and everyone's well-rounded right at this stage of the game. But I feel like a lot of people at men's middleweight, they have these specialties that just put them apart from their contemporaries. And that's how you end up seeing these runs, right, in middleweight. I feel like the same thing kind of happens at bantamweight where although everyone is well-rounded, right, everyone has all the three top three skills, I think ultimately winning in one phase more than another can really put you apart from the rest of the division. Um, and I think we've really seen that with um, Nunez is striking and before her, Ronda Rousey's grappling um, and even maybe even Holly Holm striking for, for that small period of time. Uh, funny that it all played out that way, but um, I'm not the biggest bantamweight division fan. I'm not a hater though. Um, I think ultimately it's just at the point where it hasn't grown enough. I feel like all these divisions kind of feel this way. Um, but specifically women's bantamweight for sure, where we're kind of waiting for that second wave right now. And I, I don't even really have a lot of, so the prospect section is going to be interesting because I don't really have a lot of idea of who that next wave is. Uh, how do you feel about the bantamweight division though? It's slow. It's um, slim pickings right now. Mm-hmm. It seems like we are going through the finale, so to speak, or that last wave of this time of of, of um, this century of of this. I don't even know how to describe it. Of Amanda Nunez, and then I believe that from. I can't really even say unranked fighters because unranked women's fighters in this division isn't popping off the screen like you would see in featherweight bandweight in the men's division it feels like you said like middleweight like but there's potential there and you're excited about it but you're not like you know certain that this person is gonna be next you're not so oh two or three years man i i have it this guy or this woman right here i just believe me you don't have that yet Mm-hmm. And, you know it's kind of um stagnant within this top 15 top 20 not really much to go off of and like i was thinking of a prospect but i just saw that she, i just looked it up now and she's ranked 14 right now mm-hmm. and it was chelsea chandler for me and uh I, I, i'm gonna say it wrong Josiane nunez it's the other nunez so well I, I done. That. Well you know, done. I, I did my best <laughs> those two were the ones i was looking at but I see that they're ranked, but you know that's something I can look forward to in about a year and a half from now. Let's see where they are. But right now, it's uh, it, it it's tough. You know, you have you have some upside in, in Vieira, who's already four. Aldana, you know, Pennington. I really don't believe in Holly Holm anymore. Like I felt like she's Dana White's favorite women's fighter of all time. Like I, I, she she gets main events after main events for no reason for me. I just don't get it. You know and, why? Because she's one of the few fighters that gets paid. That's why. Yes, yes. I know. And, and, and I'm excited to have Misha Tate back. That's pretty cool. 
I don't really know if she has it in her to come back to the top five. I guess we'll see. Um, but I'm excited for these guys. But like I said, that that's those are the people who are here now. I think Vieira is a little before her time, so I think she could be next. But like I said, she's already four. So when it comes to unranked fighters, it's so it's so tough to dive in on you know those two, those three, even that one. Uh, I believe in her. She's gonna be next. I believe in her. You know, because they just haven't seen that much of it yet. Yeah, I agree with you as far as outside the top 15. It's really hard to find someone to to really be hype about. I mean, even the person that I am pretty hype about um, in Haley Cowan uh, just lost her previous fight, right? So so you can't even hype her up the way I should have in this segment. So how about we do this, right? Obviously, we live in a world where we may have a new champion next week. Who knows? Um but let's let's do a quick thought experiment here, right? Since we can't really move too top too far outside the top fifteen, if Amanda Nunes somehow in a vacuum, obviously don't want anything bad to happen to her, but if somehow she ceased to exist, and we had to draft a champion, we had to choose one person to be our number one pick to be the leader of this division. Who would that person be for you? Because I have a hard time even then picking who my solid second option is. That's tough. For me, it would be either Pennington or Vieira. And the fact that I know Pennington just beat Vieira via decision, mm-hmm. I honestly still believe Vieira would eventually be champion. So I I do believe once Amanda's time is done, Vieira will be the next Brazilian to take over. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, the Brazilians do well in this division. I, I, I <laughs> hope that doesn't sound wrong. But it, you know you already have four or five in the top 15. So it's they obviously know what they're doing there. They they have a very high class of of, of people there. So I think Vieira is still very young. Mm-hmm. And I really started to believe in her when she beat Misha Tate. And then the, when she came right back and beat Holly Holm. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that she lost to Pennington. I really was. Yeah, it was a close so, fight. Another one of those fights that could have gone either way. Yeah. And I think eventually they'll have that rematch. And I think Vieira will win and could be next champion. I like that. I agree. And I feel like if I'm making my pick here, I kind of waffled about trying to figure out who that would be. Almost went with Juliana Pena. I just feel like I can't ignore the her career previous to beating Amanda Nunes. <laughs> like, I, I feel like there were a lot of red flags there that made me think that there was no way she would ever even become champ, right? So... Kind of, kind of funny how the way these things happen and sort of change the way you look at these fighters. Honestly, if we lived in a world where Macy Chason won against Irene Aldana, that would be my number one pick. That would be the person that would say the future is in her hands as far as where this division goes, but obviously it didn't fall that way. So give me Rocky Pennington, right? Give me the person who has been around, fought in title fights before, ended up at the top of the mountain, and we'll see where it goes from there. Obviously not a confident pick, but I think this really speaks to, although it's good to have a dominant established champion, sometimes when you don't, um, it's hard to know how good the rest of the division is when they end up just getting stopped at the top. So um, a lot of questions to be answered at Women's Bantamweight, and I'm sure in the next coming years we'll get those answers. Uh, But next up, another great division. If you ask me, as far as rankings go, the way we're doing this, it's 3-2-1. I think this is the second best division in the women's weight classes. Women's flyweight. So, obviously, our champ, Alexa Grasso, just 
coming off of a huge upset win against Valentina Shevchenko. And then there's a bunch of contenders on their heels as well. Aaron Blanchfield, Manon Ferro, to name a few. Talia Santos, obviously, you could argue she might have even won against Valentina Shevchenko. She has yet to bounce back, but I'm sure she will soon. This is a fucking awesome division. A division that a couple of years ago, people were saying, ah, this is... Should we even open this? Like, there's not a lot of women in this division for it to be carried. And now we look at it now, and there's so many new prospects and new people to be excited about um, that I, I think they're just crazy, man. I love this division. I love the fact that we had an era, right? We had the Valentina era, um, but now we just got that upset. I'm pretty sure they're going to end up running that one back immediately to try to sort of give Valentina a chance to to right that wrong. Um, but there's this is another one of those divisions that there's so many questions that need to be answered, but I feel like this division, we're going to get those answers a little closer than we will at women's bantamweight. Uh, what are your thoughts at a flyweight? And of course, another Mexican champ leading the helm. That's right. That's right. It's exciting. Very exciting. I, uh, I was blown away when Alexa Grasso, you know, won by submission and beat Shevchenko. I thought Shevchenko was unbeatable. I just felt she was always one step ahead of everyone. And uh, the fight that she put on Laura Murphy, the one that she put on against, um, I forget her name, but she she had, she had won the title, but it, at women's strawweight, and uh, she bounces around each division. What's her name? Um, oh my I gosh, think I know who you're talking about, but she didn't win the belt. Are you talking about Joanne Wood? No, 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 no. Um, okay. Oh, man. I'm struck. I know it. She won the belt. She beat. She beat Rose Namajunas. Dropped her on her head. And, and oh man. Uh, um. Why did I just fucking? Yep. I, I was you about see? to call her Amanda Nunes. <laughs> you see my issue. Yes, there. I know exactly who you're talking Jessica about. Jessica You were talking. About, yeah, yeah. You saw. You saw. Yes. I was buying my time there to to find the yes. name. Good job. Yes, because I, I I was struggling. Tell you it, hmm. it, the way that she beat those two. I thought Jessica Andrade was going to come. You know, to that division and. You know, be one of Shevchenko's biggest tests, uh, uh, but the way that she just completely took control and that was that was such a one-sided fight. The Warren Murphy fight was even so one-sided. I felt bad for the fighters after the end of the fight. That's how much mm -hmm. you know Shevchenko really made me think like she's just on a completely different level. And the whole time going into this fight, this last fight, you know, everyone was saying that the boxing, the boxing of Alexa Grasso is unmatched as long. Shevchenko doesn't get pieced up in the beginning, you know, Shevchenko will coast. But Grasso was piecing her up, so it was like, you know, you, you even Joe Rogan was sitting there like, I don't know, you know, and you had it really competitive, really close, and I love it. You know, having a, a Mexican champ, it feels, obviously it feels good, but it just, it feels noticeable because there's not a lot of, you know, if you go back two or three years ago, you weren't thinking of any Mexican fighters as like, these guys are neck. Like, this is the guy, you know, this is going to be the face of the UFC. So the fact that we have, you know, three champions or two and an interim, I know people don't consider that to be a champion. I don't consider glorified number one contenders and interim champions to be champions. But the fact that he has a belt is something no one really could say that they have. And, you know, you might have a fourth one. So it's a really exciting time. I, I believe that there's... These four, and then there's an Alexa Grasso, Shevchenko, Aaron Blanchfield, and I always never say her name, and the the French, uh, uh, oh my god, 
Fiorot. I can never say it. Fiaho. Never. Thank you. Manon Fiaho. Yes. Thank you. I can. I just for some reason can never say it. But uh, shout out to four, John Gooden. He's the only reason I know how to pronounce her name because he he's so go. frenetic and good at pronouncing those names. Um, I'm not good at that. I got to get better with it. And it's not like it's just something I need to get better. At. I I sound like a casual when I can't pronounce names. But <laughs> you're fine. You know, it's those four. Those are my top dogs right now. All of them. And even with Shevchenko losing, I think that fight will be even better the second time. And Aaron Blanchfield is just nasty. So nasty. She is coming, dude. Yeah. Dude, I remember when, when they put her against Molly Meatball, and I and people really thought Molly Meatball like stood a chance. And I like, made a I, lot of everyone, money on that one. I made a lot yeah, of money on that one. Yeah, yeah. Because Molly Meatball, you know, had the hype uh because of Pimblet and that whole, you know, friendship. And Molly was really starting to slowly build her way. So she, but she had a huge test. That was a humongous test. And I know Aaron is really young. And the fact that how quickly and how dominant that was, that put me, you know, fully into her market. Like, that's that's the one. Mm-hmm. If there was anyone that I could believe that could be Chevchenko, it's going to be her eventually. And then Alexa Grasso does it. So mm-hmm. that just makes those three and even those four super, super exciting. And then you have the rest of the division were just as tough. Really, really, like, dogs in there. Obviously, you got some fading out, but dogs, real mm-hmm. dogs. Dude, I love how even with a dominant champ, right? It's good to have a dominant champ for a lot of reasons. It's a very impressive feat. It's hard to come by, so obviously you got to acknowledge that greatness. Uh, but when you have four, five options even of people that you could see breaking through, that's what makes for a fucking great division. And I agree, man. I think huge fan of um Miranda Maverick. I think she's another person that she's fighting this weekend as well. Another person that is on the up and up in this division. And when I saw Aaron Blanchford beat her, but not just beat her, handle her, especially in the grappling, when you just look at their statures, man, she looks so much smaller than her. Uh, but to be able to have that dominant positional control, I, I actually heard of Aaron Blanchfield before she even became a UFC fighter when she was um, competing in EBI, which is the Eddie Bravo Imitational. So the submission is submission grappling, but it's called combat jujitsu. So they have palm strikes and things like that. She actually won the entire tournament, which at 19 years old, that's a that's a huge feat for anyone. And the fact that she was able to come out on top, and this is world-class grapplers, right? This isn't just like some random uh, blue belt tournament, right? Like these are all world-class grapplers that are really good at just BJJ. And for her to be able to win that and while competing in MMA and stuff like that, from that moment on, I was like, yeah, I definitely need to keep my eye on her. And then she just proved it in that Miranda Maverick fight. I was like, yeah, this is my girl from now on. Like, no matter what, if she's fighting, not only am I tuning in, but um, I got her in that. So to see the way this thing plays out is awesome. It sucks that um, Tatiana Suarez is not going to be staying at this division. I think she was another big contender in this one. Um, she's obviously going back down a straw weight, which is crazy to imagine, man. She looked huge at flyweight. So um, can't obviously looking forward to her return there. But I just love I this division. That cut. That's a tough Hell cut. Yeah. That's a tough cut for anybody. But for someone who's had the issue she'd had, obviously, yeah. um, being a cancer survivor, 
being one of the smallest things she's dealt with in her career, which is insane to think about uh, so many injuries and so many other things that she's overcome in his, her career. So it's so easy to root for her. Right. Uh, but I agree. Hoping, hoping everything works out for her straw weight, but at flyweight, man, there's just so many options, so many people that are on the up and up and a real new wave, right? A new wave of women's MMA that we were sort of, in my opinion, waiting for. We've always seen it at strawweight. I think strawweight is the cutting edge. Strawweight is the bantamweight of women's MMA, if that makes sense. Like, this is the deepest division, in my opinion. But flyweight is is not far behind. And I didn't expect that turn at all. I mean, in the last couple years, this division has really grown, for sure. Yeah, it's exciting. It's And I like that. I like that because they're, you know, for a lot of, I, I don't want to say casual fans, but even fans who are starting to get deeper into the UFC, you know, your first look isn't going to be women's only and then move towards men. You're going to be focusing on the men. And then when you see women's fights, you know, it's not like a snoozer, but it's not, it's the ones where you kind of go, ah, you know, I could get up and get myself, you know, whatever. And now I feel like almost every fight that happens in the women's division, you, you're tuning in. You have to, because it's just, it's not like what it used to be, even a couple years ago, where, you know, if they won one fight, it was like, almost like they were considered for the top three for, or belts. Like, you know, like what we saw with, uh, in the, the division we just talked about where Juliana Pena, she, she had just lost and then she wins in submission and she's fighting for a title. And it's like, how does that even make any sense? Like you would never see that in the men's division, but you know, so people look at it like, ah, it's not really that serious. And people always tune away first before giving it a chance. And now, you know, I think the flyweight division is probably the most important one to look at. And I would say same thing with strawweight, which we're going to get to like that has a lot of excitement to it. While Bantamweight's kind of flushing out with the old, and I'm not trying to say, man, Nunez is old. Or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, you know Amanda Nunes' time is coming to an end eventually. And I feel with Alexa Grasso kind of uh, breaking through Shevchenko, something we never thought would happen until Shevchenko was done or until she had that trilogy with Amanda. Now that you see Alexa break through, it kind of opens the door for anyone. And I, I, as much as I love Alexa Grasso, I do not believe she is the the best flyweight out there you know i don't think she's better than aaron blanchfield in a year from now or, or talia santos in you know a couple months from now like any anything can happen any given night but you know i believe that the fact that shevchenko's loss has now opened the door for all these fighters to really go okay she's beatable and they're all beatable and so mm-hmm. once you see these names go up and down up and down and all these unranked guys Unranked women, I should say. I say guys to everything. Unranked women, you know, crack from 20 to all the way to 7 in in a year from now. You're going to see that rolling in quick. And I'm really, really excited for it. For sure. I'm going to give you first pick in our prospect draft just because in my opinion this is a two-person race right we got we we, there's two clear winners when it comes to the prospects at at 125 so who you got who's your prospect your dark horse at 125 no 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 see there are easy (laughs) ones but i'm gonna go with the rawest of the raw right and i'm starting with i don't know what silver to go with first I like both of them. I'm gonna go with Natalia Silva first. I, I'm going. I'm going far, far back. 
because I, I, I feel like, I feel like this division, even though it stops at fifteen, you really have like eighteen ranked women. I would say, mm-hmm. and after that, you can kind of go with their prospects or they're coming up or whatever. I, I know everyone thinks Molly Meatball. I know she's on right. I just, I don't know. I'm not the biggest of believers in Molly Meatball McCann. I believe she could still crack the top 15 without, you know, before her career is done. But I I look at her the same way I do Patty. Like, I know everyone's going to say the same thing, but, you know, like, I believe that they can be something. I just don't think that, you know, I think they're overhyped and I think they'll get humbled rather quickly. Molly definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe she still is going to fight again, you know, when the injury's done and she'll be back, but don't really see her cracking the top 10. But I'll let you go. Because I'm I, <laughs> I'm excited to see which one you say first. Mm-hmm. So which one? Who, who do you got? I think it's very clear where I'm going with this one. Um, shout out to Natalia Silver. I love her as well. I think she's also a great prospect. Someone that has a weird career too, right? She started her MMA career, listen to this, two, three, and one in her first six and kept with it. Like, what a savage, right? A lot of people would start with, with that situation and be like, nah, I'll see y'all later. I can have fun with this MMA thing. Uh, kept with it and literally found her way back after losing to some some formidable opponents outside the UFC, one being Marina Rodriguez. So I'm a big fan of her upside. I think although the record can say some things, um, you really got to look into it to understand a little bit more. And I love the way she's shown some metal and really bounced back. But my pick is obviously Karini Silva. I think this is the the obvious answer. I don't know why. I think, although I love striking and I'm a big fan of the striking arts, I think when it comes to MMA and the grand scheme of things, I think grappling still is king or queen in this scenario. Um, and I think Karini Silva just has a game that is so dangerous for any weight class, but specifically in the women's divisions, I feel like, uh, she might be a little bit of a step ahead of some of her um, opponents in this division, which is really exciting to consider. So I'm going Karina Silva here. I'm interested. Who is this third player? Because I don't I don't have it at the tip of my tongue. But, well, I was I was I was going to say Kareem, but. Go ahead. I said Italia. So we switched up. Uh, my other one is is Aldridge, um, JJ Aldridge. I believe that she's she's real deal to me. I, I know she. She's had not the most stellar career since coming over, but you know I I believe she was really starting to put it, the pieces together and obviously running into the train, Aaron Blanchfield. She's just a freaking monster. She's she's real deal, and I know that that was her last fight, but I believe she comes back. She could put on a nice three fight win streak and really climb to you know top twelve, top even top seven within. You know, two years from now. So that's the other one I'm looking at. I like that. I like that. That's a great shout. And I'll, I'll throw one more in there. We talked about her a little bit earlier. Give me Miranda Maverick. I think she's someone that deserves okay. to be in that conversation as far as big prospects in this division. Huge fan of her and what she's been able to do. Um, and I think she's going to bounce back tough. I mean, she's gotten two wins since that loss, right? So um, I think she's still on her way. But Yeah, she's cracked the top 15, so. Oh, she's, look at that. Noticed. Look at that. I didn't even know that. That's great. Yeah, I need, I, need, I need to look at these official official rankings because maybe <laughs> maybe they got their shit together and this world ranking doesn't. But I like it. I like it. Um, 
ultimately we got to move on. We got to, we got to get it out yes, in sir. a timely fashion, but we're almost there. The best division when it comes to women's divisions, in my eyes, women's straw weight, there's so much turnover in this division. So many fighters, in my opinion, in looking at the UFC's top 15, uh, that, I don't see being in this top 15 next year. Like I see a couple of these names falling out and a couple names coming right in. So I love this division. I think the action is the, the quickest, right? There's a great blend of striking power as well as explosiveness in this division, even though it's the smallest women's division. Um, I think they could eventually open women's 105. That's a discussion for another day. I think that's a division that's actually very deep outside of the UFC. Um, so something that they may want to consider long road. Um, but I love 115. I love the mix of strength and power. I love the speed and execution. Uh, very much reminds me of flyweight as far as the action, uh, but as well as a little bit of bantamweight as far as how deep it is and just how far you have to come to even be in that discussion of a title shot so there's a lot to talk about with this division obviously right now the champ is Zhang Wei Li um, but this has been a carousel right this has not been a division where there has been a long dominant champ even though I felt like the consensus a couple years ago was that Rose Namajunas was the strawweight goat um, the, the belt just keeps getting passed around it's kind of like rock paper scissors right like one fighter has the other one's number right so so once they come up it's like all right so now I'm going to come and claim my belt and then the next person comes up and claims their belt. So it's been a wild carousel at the top of 115. Um, but I'm interested to see how it all plays out come the, the end of the year. I don't think there's a title fight booked for this division right now. Am I wrong in saying that? I I actually, no, there is one. Um, I think it's Zhang Wei Li versus Amanda Lemos, I believe. Really? Okay. That's yes. interesting. I've never even considered that. That's That's interesting. Okay. I I believe for UFC 292, I think, in Boston. Yep. Nice. Zhang Wei Li versus Amanda Limos. Okay. I like oh, that. I mean, obviously coming off of two big wins in her last two fights. Uh, didn't expect that, though, right? Ever since uh, – I feel like we saw her get submitted by Andrade not too long ago. Uh, but she definitely bounced back big time. I will pick Zhang Wei Li in this fight. I think Zhang Wei Li is on an insane trajectory as far as um, – her strength and conditioning and what she's been able to achieve growing big time, working with her same team, but traveling across the world. First, it was Henry Cejudo. The last fight, it was Tiger Muay Thai with those guys out in Thailand, loving what I'm seeing out of her and just her ability to put it together on the night, right? Like you, you can be good at all these different things, but if you're not, if you don't have an understanding of who you are as a fighter, it's very hard for those things to come across. And I feel like early on in her career, that's where she was. Like she had all these skills, but she didn't know how to best pursue them to be the best fighter she can be. And I feel like right now she's really figuring that out. And I think she's on the cusp of really cementing herself as a main fixture in this division, the same way Joanna Young Jacek and Rose Namajunas did. Um, I'm curious if you agree and whether or not uh, you think that she's going to be a longstanding champion at 115. I don't know if she's going to be a long because you have three. The top three people are two time. They're two time champions, all three of them. Mm -hmm. But I believe there are contenders and there are pretenders. And I believe Carlos Esparza, Jessica Andrade, and Marina Rodriguez are all pretenders. I believe that they will fall out of the top 10 within a year from now or two years from now, maybe for Carla. But mm -hmm. Rose is a tough one 
because we don't know what the situation was with Rosen. That fight between Rose and Carlos Barza 2 was arguably the worst UFC fight of all time. I still think it is. And Rose is my favorite female fighter by far. I, I've been a huge Rose fan since jump. And all my every time I, I'm with my friends and I watch, they all get super excited knowing that I'm a huge Rose fan. My One of my best friends is a diehard Rose fan. So I'm a huge fan of Rose, and I would love her to have the belt back. But at the same time, I don't know what her situation is, how much longer she's willing to fight. You know, when she lost the belt the first time, it definitely messed with her mentally. It took her a long time to bounce back. I don't know if that's having the same effect. I haven't seen or heard a single rumor since that loss about her bouncing back or trying to come back to fighting, not even her in the gym. So I don't know what's happening. I believe, I believe the biggest test will be when it's China versus China and it's Zhang versus Jian. That is the test I believe is coming next. Unless Rose is ready. Because you have to do that one again. Rose and Shang eventually. Rose won both times. Such a good times. fight, dude. Such yeah. a good fight. The fact that I, I don't think anyone picked Rose the first time. And the way it ended that, you know, the head kick. And the second one was so close. You could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. They still gave it to Rose. And so, you know, and everyone loves Rose. She's got, she cries after every time she wins. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you feel how much she puts into this and how much mm-hmm. she wants it. And, you know, Zhang Li literally bounced back and became the champion without facing her again. And I believe Carla was always the biggest. I, I hate to be this person because I hate <laughs> when people talk like this. But I believe Carla is the biggest pretender of all time, like in, in no women's way. history. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just never I've never been a fan. Of Give her. me just, Nico Montanu. At plus five hundred, but I feel you. I feel, I I agree. <laughs> as far as actual champions, right? Because Nico was a champ for like six sure. months, but never defended it. <laughs> I guess you could say the same thing for uh, Deronda May at the time. You know, oh, that yeah, whole yeah, debacle. Sure. But I I don't know. Like I, I Carlos had a great career. I'm not taking that away from her. I just every time she's champ, I never once looked at her and said she's going to defend that belt the next time. And because she just, gets blown out the water. Yeah, <laughs> and you just and you know it's happening. You see it coming. Mm-hmm. And like that fight with Rose and Carl, like I feared a little bit, but I thought Rose would just take it to her eventually. And I don't know what happened, but it, it just didn't happen. So that was crazy. I really fight. hope that whatever happens in that top three starts moving around a little bit because I think Yan is next and, or Zhang Wei Li. If whoever wins that fight, I believe will be champion for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think Carla Esparza is the greatest example of why wrestling is the best base in MMA, right? Because you could just have that <laughs> at that division and you'll be so far ahead of everyone else that you'll find a way to become a two-time champ uh, without ever having, in my opinion, real signature wins. Obviously, both of the wins were against what a lot of people say is the GOAT of this division. I still have Joanna Young Jacek as my strawweight GOAT. And that's a controversial topic, right? Because obviously she has the multiple losses to Rose Namajunas. I just feel like that... Exactly. And Zhang. Um, I just feel like the actual run as champion and what she was able to do really sets her apart. But obviously, there's a big gap in competition, too. If you look at the names she fought versus the names that Zhang and Rose have fought, uh, it's much different. So there's a big debate there. I personally just love this division. Every single contender I'm invested in, like all of these different storylines, I feel like are exciting. Uh, So there's a lot of different permutations on how this division could play out. 
And I won't be mad at any of them. Like, as long as these top fighters keep fighting each other, uh, we're going to get amazing fights and stuff to talk about for years to come. So I'm loving strawweight. A little bit of a deeper division, so we got some more stuff to talk about here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first because there's only one name here. Mm. There's only one name here for me, and I'm going to take it before you do because I know you will. Uh, the Mexican blood, right? It's just, it, I got to jump in there before Damn you it. do. Shout out to Yasmin Haragi. Um, a big fan of her game, man. I, I saw her fight. I think it was on Kambache, um, and immediately I was like, sign this one. Sign this one, please, because... Her, her skills really jumped out on me. I'm a big fan of what she's able to do in the striking as well as in transitions. There's some things to learn, right? There's still some growing to be done. Don't rush her into the top 15. Uh, but I think she has a huge upside in this division. So that is my dark horse contender. Damn, I can't believe you took that from me. That was the one I had. Ah, that's tough. Hmm. You're, you're making it tough for me. Um, hmm. To go... I'm not gonna say Carolina, uh, <laughs> from because I, I believe I think she was undefeated before she fought Joanna, and then has been on a serious decline. I think she's one of the last three. Those mm-hmm. Carolina, uh, I, I can never see. This is another one of those moments. Where That's I a really her tough for name. Don't six worry. <laughs> something years, and I still can't say her name. Give it a try. Carolina, Kowalkowicz. Kowalkowicz, I right? think that's acceptable. Yeah, that's it. It's not acceptable. That's a failing grade. <laughs> Kovalkevich. There that's you go. Really... Yeah, yeah. It's acceptable. <laughs> yeah. That would be that would be a nice failing grade right off the bat. But I you know what's so funny about her? She went from being top content, top prospect to falling off and being written off to now being right back. Like mm-hmm. Out of the she UFC is, almost, right? Like yeah. almost out of the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when she fought Joanna and like one of them had to lose. They were both undefeated at the time. I don't remember what it was. Was it UFC 205 at the time? Yes. Yep. You got that. Another one. Look, at this man has the encyclopedia, <laughs> the MMA encyclopedia. I just remember gonna, that fight. I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you this from the, from now on. This is, a, this is our new nickname, but continue. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, like, the hype behind her then was so real, and then you saw how how much better Joanna was at the time, and then you see Carolina fall off. And I I always love an underdog story because I don't think there's a single soul out there that really believed she was going to come back. I thought she was going to be out of the UFC by by now, but how the the losses were piling up and the way she was losing, and uh, it's tough. This is tough. Um, I, I want. Uh, Dude, dude, you got me on the edge here. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I don't know because that was my that was, you had. I had to steal it. I had to steal it before you got a chance, man. I had to. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you she's... two. I'll give you two. I like, but I don't know if they're championship. If you're material. gonna say Corey McKenna, I'm gonna be tight. Oh hell no! That's... Hell no! <laughs> okay. No sir! No sir! And I got English blood in me. Okay, and I, okay, I still won't do that. Um, my two here, the. I think this first one specifically is all upside, right? Uh, Loma look boomy. I'm a big fan of her game and the way she's developed as well. Um, I think having a a specialist skill set in these divisions, I think takes you a far way. Um, And I think her grappling has really stepped up levels in the past couple of fights um, where I could see her cracking that top 15 and making some waves. So I'm not sure about her championship aspirations, uh, but I'm a fan of the improvement she's been making in the octagon for sure. 
see. I was about to say Tabitha Ricci. Oh, that's oh, a good one. But that? she's in the top 15, right? I know. I just looked. She's 15. I mean, top, top, top one all body, though, right? I, I just got to yes. throw that out there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, this is tough, man, because I'm looking at the list and I don't want to just be biased. I don't want to just be like, oh, well, the guy who won the last two, you know, like, <laughs> I don't want to say that, but. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting to look at all these prospects mm-hmm. and like you could you could kind of see who's coming and like Loma I want to say Loma but I don't know I just I don't know I I, I don't have like that sweet spot for her yet mm-hmm. and like I don't want to say Gillian Robertson just because she won I feel like she's just been coming and going for a long time mm-hmm. yeah. so, man you got me freaking. There's another Mexican. Okay. There's one more out oh, no, there. No, no, I, I know. Like, I'm not gonna do it. He's like, I'm not gonna do I it. I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go with Melissa. I, I feel like that's just too. You know what? I'm Lupita. Go- Whatever. You gotta go, Lupita. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. I'm going as raw as it gets. Oh, this is tough. And I'm, I'm just gonna stick with Melissa. I guess I'll stick with Melissa for now. But ask me this in a month from now, and I'll have a completely different answer. <laughs> yeah, because for sure. It's so it, it's so in, intense. There's so many names, but there's not many names that you look at that are unranked that are on these win streaks, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know you could. It's tough to say, yeah, that one. But then you look at that one, you go, oh, but they just lost their last fight. Oh, the, they just lost by submission two fights ago. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the person that you lost to. Oh, but that lost first lost three straight so what the heck is going on here like the, the com- competition is so intense from like 17 through like 26 like they've all fought yeah. each other and they've all beaten and lost to each other so there's no one that's like that's the next guy except for yasmin which of course you taken but you know like everyone else is won there for last one and lost their last two like, or in the top 15 yeah <laughs> yeah or it's in the top 15 with you know like i think tabitha and well, now Tabitha's ranked, but yeah, it, right now I think Yasmin's the only one unranked that has anything more than a three-fight win streak, which is just shows how intense the division is, and I'm excited to see when they finally sure. keep climbing up all together and keep fighting each other because that's that's what's bound to happen. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. I love this division. I loved all the talk we've had today, uh, but unfortunately, all good things have to come to an end. So I gotta ask my final question of the day, and I thought this was fun because. I really enjoyed this one when we did it for 135. So why don't we do it for 115? Why don't we do it for the best women's division? If, for whatever reason, uh, we were starting our own new league, right? The the TSG MMA League, right? And it's just, and we get to pick from all the UFC fighters, who's going to be our champ? Who's going to be the the person that we think is going to be able to overcome the gauntlets of all those top 15 fighters if we had to pick one person confidently against all those fighters who would that be for you this is tough i would say i believe that certain people's time are coming to an end i think Zhang Wei lee could be my top right i feel like anyone could say that but i have a I have a strong belief in Mackenzie Dern. I believe that eventually she will be a top three and can potentially beat whoever is at the top. And and you could go obviously go with Jan. She's been a 
incredible these last two fights. The fact that she beat Mackenzie Dern and the the beat down she put on Andrade so quick, so early, just absolutely dominated. And like I said, you have pretenders and contenders, and those two are obviously top dog contenders. And I believe in a year or two from now, they'll probably be fighting each other again. And who knows who will have the belt or who won't. And uh, it could be Zhang at the very top. Zhang could run with it forever. Could be the next, you know, goat in this division. I believe it's Joanna as one of them. Rose is another. Zhang Weili with probably two or three more wins will be the next one. So it depends. It depends on if Jan's ready to beat take take her place. Because if Jan takes her place, I think that'll slowly bring Zhang Weili down. Mm-hmm. But I think with Jan has a huge test ahead of her. She'll probably get one more fight before that title fight. And so this these next six months will be the most crucial for these top six, seven dogs. I agree, but I need an answer. I need, I need fine, that fine, one fine, pick. Fine, 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 fine. Mackenzie Dern, just because I love it. I believe in a year from now, she'll be one of the new faces of the women's UFC. I love it. I love the pick. I'm a huge fan of Mackenzie Dern for many, many reasons. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. But my pick for this one, mine, and I'll frame it this way because this is how confident I am. If I had to pick one of these women to be able in a gauntlet to win against all 15 of the top 15 in order to save my cat's life or milkshake, this is all, this is all for her in order to save my cat's life. Who am I picking to win? And that's the 10th ranked. Tatiana Suarez. I think her upside in this division is that big. I think she has a skill set in this division that nobody can match. And I don't see who is winning against her. I, I haven't seen it. Every time I've watched her fight, it's been an aberration. Kind of can't believe the things she's able to do with such ease. Um, I mean, I, I even remember her first fight in the UFC. Got a nasty anaconda choke within minutes. And and that's the... the that's the tough finale, right? Like that, that's not some random, like you're fighting against a Dana White contender series fighter. Like this was through the tough house, the second best person of this whole experience. And you just destroy them like that. I think her game is just so far ahead of women's MMA at this point. Like, I think, I think women's MMA really needs to get a more established ground game. And I think Tatiana, Tatiana Suarez is going to be the new person to usher in that era. Give me the GOAT, Tatiana. And, and I am saying that with confidence. I think we can mm. say if injuries are a thing of the past, okay. from this point forward, from this point forward, if injuries are a thing of the past, I think she goes down as the greatest woman strawweight ever. See, but there's that's the part where I couldn't choose her because you're going off of one fight in four years. <laughs> and if you, she's defending your castle, one injury and it's all over. But I see... She is one of the she the potential she had and still potentially has, she can be the next best thing. And the mm-hmm. fact that she came back and won via submission the way that she did, like I was I was very scared, very nervous for her. And she looks like the old her, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for her future, but I don't know, you know. I don't know. I'm I'm happy with my pick going with darn i love it i love it 
Thank you so much, Sean. It's always a fucking blast to be able to do these of shows. Of course, of with course, brother. The MMA encyclopedia himself. I will continue to refer to him as such. Can't wait to link up with you again in person, man. It's going to happen real soon for sure. Uh, big fan of everything you've got going on as well. There's so much to talk about in your world, right? The world of of, of MLB and all, all things baseball. There's so many good storylines, especially being a Yankees fan. Things are turning around for us, so I'm happy. Uh, please, before we leave, make sure you tell the people where they can find you and your stuff. Yes, you can find me once again. Uh, I thank this guy because I had a recent incident where I was hacked and now I'm back. So, you know, I, I, I thank the man with me and uh, I have my account back and you can find me there at Sean Negron 26. I will respond to you. If I'm not tweeting sports, it's not me. So that's when, you know, all right. I don't tweet about anything else. Nothing's personal. It's all sports and sports only. It's UFC. It's MLB. It's NFL. It's whatever you want. That's what I am. So you can always find me there. I have my own website that you can, if you ever interested in writing your first piece, want to do a podcast on there whatever you want i will help you promote it i will get you out there uh anything you need sports related reach out i will always help that's that's who i am just a selfless warrior man shout out to my guy love having you on here for real this has been a revelation you've really changed my idea of what i want to do in this space for real so shout out to my guy the negron family continues uh we're looking forward to to continue to dropping you guys some real awesome content so keep an eye out for that of course you can find me at negron mma on twitter uh strong strong at 500 looking for looking at that 550 mark so please uh send some love and support Follow me over there. I will really appreciate it. And let us know what you look forward to on these shows. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Who knows? Maybe even your specific mention, right? Could be a part of this show. We'll throw it to that and say, hey, this person asked for us to talk about this. So that's what we're going to talk about. So keep an eye out for that. Reach out. Let us know what you guys want to hear because we want to deliver. Uh, there's so much clearly we can talk about when it comes to this sport that we love. And uh, we would just love to get you all involved in a little bit more. So look forward to that. Look forward to more content. And as always, see you guys later. Peace.